This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Some Yankee stuff as uh, they trail the Orioles. 3-0 as they play in the fourth inning. Yes, Domingo Herman is back to uh, being Domingo Herman. Has given up a bunch of hits tonight. Not nearly as sharp as he was. Shockingly, not as good against the Orioles as he was against the Oakland A's. That's hard to believe. But we'll uh, take a look at uh, the Yankees a little bit later on. Let's continue with your Nick phone calls at 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone. Oh, I was just looking through the Knicks draft history a little bit. Uh, there were definitely some guys. Now, I, I don't know that it's, it's universal, but there are certain guys that Nick fans thought were going to be things that never turned out to be. Now, it's not every time. I don't know that there was necessarily um, a, a group that thought that uh, – Frederick Weiss was ever going to be a thing. I don't think any Nick fan ever thought that Frederick Weiss was ever going to be a thing. It was just, it just kept getting worse. But there were definitely Nick fans that thought that um, Ronaldo Balkman was going to be a thing or um, uh, Marty Collins was going to be a Landry Fields or Iman Shumpert or Frank Nielakina. They all thought those were. They all said the same things about those guys, or at least a lot of the same things that they're saying about Obi now. Just, just you have to look in the mirror, Nick fans, and be honest with yourselves. You have to be honest. All right, let's go back to the phone. And I'm not saying that every Nick fan was in, in line with all, but each Nick fan has the, the propensity to look at their own guys with a, a far higher evaluation than other people see them or what they are in reality. Back here on planet Earth. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to uh, John is in New Jersey. John, next up on the Dan Grasso Show. Hey, Gordon. How you doing, my friend? Hey, John, Happy 4th of July on? weekend to you and your Same family. Same to you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I, w- I want to talk on this, uh, this overrating and over-evaluating of uh, Nick players from the fan base standpoint. You know, I... It, it drives me crazy, Gordon. I want to scratch my eyeballs out of my head every time I hear a Knicks fan call in and say, hey, Julius Randle is a 20-10 and 10 guy. How are you going to replace that if you move him on? I give you an immediate answer right here, right now. Miles Bridges from the Charlotte Bobcats is more athletic than Julius Randle. He's a 20-10 and 10 guy, and he's got a much more versatile and complete game at a younger age. And I'd much rather have him on my uh, starting power forward position than Julius Randle right now. Julius Randle is not a winning player, Gordon. He wet the bed twice now in back-to-back playoff runs. I've seen enough out of this guy. I don't understand what the love affair with uh, Tom Thibodeau and the coaching staff is. I don't know what they're trying to prove, what they believe, but I've seen enough basketball, and I believe in the eye test. All right? And my eye test tells me that this guy is not going to get them to where they need to go. All right? He's not... He, he, he's very mechanical. He's very ro- robotic in his movements on the floor. He's an isolation player that dominates the basketball and eats up too much of the shot clock for my liking. He dribbles the ball way too much like he thinks he's a point guard, which he's not. And we've seen how many times now where he gets double and triple teamed and he doesn't know what to do. He gets totally confused, totally lost, and here we go. There's a turnover going back the other way, and it's a dunk for the other team. Uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've seen this movie enough. I, I've had enough of it. We, we need to move on from Julius Randle and stop with the 20 and 10 stuff because that's the same nonsense we heard with David Lee when he was here. Oh, David Lee's a 20 and 10 guy. He's phenomenal. He's great. He's a power forward. 
that, that, that's going to take us somewhere. He's going he's to lead us into the future in a positive way. David Lee didn't do it, and Julius Randle hasn't done it. Now, with that being said, Gordon, I, I got to tell you, I, I like the approach from the standpoint of smart, selective, patient, wait for the right guy to shake free. I agree with that a thousand percent. Paul George is not the answer. Neither is Harden. Neither is uh, Carl Anthony Towns. These guys are not winning players. They have issues with their salary, with not taking care of themselves from a physical standpoint, with having an injury history, and also making a boatload of money that you're going to tie up your salary cap in for guys that aren't going to fit and aren't going to work here, and it's going to compromise your future going forward. So, But I, I like to bounce this off you. I understand that guy's not available, so you wait. And they brought Worldwide West in here because he's the guy that's going to whisper in people's ears and he's going to say, you know, he's going to be the recruiter. He's going to be the guy that's going to schmooze everybody and convince everybody this is the place to be and you're going to be taken care of and you're going to win here and you're going to be part of something special. And you win here, it's going to be like nowhere else in the world, and you're going to get your money, you're going to get your endorsements, you're going to get your notoriety, you're going to get your fame, and the fans are going to love you. That's what he's going to sell to these guys behind closed doors. That's what he's brought in for. That, that's a good thing. But with, but with Toppin... I'm sorry, Gordon, I have to disagree with you. I, I think this is totally driven by Tom Thibodeau. He got cursed out. He was told he can't coach by, by Toppin, apparently, on, on, on the, uh, the, vo- the voice recording that's out there. Right. All right? And, and, and he took it personal, and he couldn't handle it, and he's got a great relationship with Leon Rose, and I guarantee you he went in there with fire coming out of his ears and his nose, his nostrils, and telling Leon Rose, you've got to get this guy out of here. I, I can't work with him. I haven't been able to get through to him for whatever reason, and that's and, and you, you never make a deal on emotion, Gordon. I'm sorry. They, they needed well, to look, if that, that, John, if that's that. the case, if he got ticked off and made the deal based on that, then you're absolutely right. But I would think that Tom Thibodeau, who's been a coach now for, for forever, uh, assistant coach long before that, he's been yelled at by players before, and at the end of the day, it's about what's best for the organization. And Obi Toppin was not nearly the significant piece – that maybe Obi Toppin thought he was, um, but well, I, would, I find it hard to believe he, that, the, that the Knicks had a plan to keep Obi Toppin here long term when they were going to have to pay him anyway, and him yelling at Tom Thibodeau pushed him out the door. I, I'd be surprised. Yeah, by I, I, I I look at two failures regarding Obi Toppin. I, they, I look, I, one failure is Leon Rose because if he wasn't part of their big picture, that should have been identified and known at an earlier point in time when his trade value most likely would have been higher and he would have got a better return. They should have pulled the trigger at a sooner point in time. They waited until the money was going to be coming his way, until, until all that became public with the, with the exchange that he had with Thibodeau, and that definitely affected his trade value as well. All right, that, that hurts. Now, he's going to flourish in Indiana with Halliburton, I'm telling you right now. That's going to be a trade that they're going to regret, and you're going to find out at a later point in time that Thibodeau stormed himself into that office. I have no doubt about that, that he stormed himself into that office and he convinced Leon Rose that it's, it's, the time is now, the time is right, and, 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 and I can't work with this guy. I'm not getting through to him. He's not listening to me, whatever. And the camel that broke the straw's back is when he told him he can't coach, and he started cursing him out, and that was it. And that, and that showed Obi top of the door. But with that being said, Gordon, the right guy's not ready right now. I, I understand that. So stay firm, stay patient, hold on to your assets. However... I'd like to get involved in this three-team trade regarding Damian Lillard because it's been said that Portland has no interest in Tyler Hero whatsoever in a trade, but they want to facilitate something where they get a third team involved to take Hero. 
Now, if you, you remember a year ago, Gordon, the biggest problem with this Knicks team is they were putrid from the perimeter, absolutely putrid. And I know DiVincenzo is going to help, but he's not Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is, is an elite shooter, and that's what this team needs. So if that guy's not available right now, why not get involved as a third team, bring Hero here, make him your starting shooting guard next to Brunson, and, 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 and he's just an added asset to have on the team. See how he fits, see how it works until that superstar becomes available. And then you could always use Hero in a trade at a later date because Hero's going to have more trade value in, in, in a trade for a superstar than Grimes is or DiVincenzo is. Uh, well, John, thanks for the phone call. Uh, I mean, Hero is, is a nice player, but he's making a boatload of money. I mean, he's making $28, 29000000 million as well. So it's not like you're just adding a piece. Uh, you're you're going to have to give up something to, to do that as well. Um, he is still young. Uh, the other part, the other first guy you brought up about Miles Bridges, I don't think the Knicks are going down that road uh, based on the, the, the off-the-court stuff uh, and the, the domestic violence thing and his arrest and uh, all that type of stuff. I think he pled no contest to that. Uh, so I don't think the Knicks are, are going down that road. And if that was not enough of an impediment, I'm pretty sure he's a clutch sports guy too. So that's, uh, that's going to be a no-go there uh, as well. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to, uh, let's see here, uh, Dave is in the car. Dave, next up on uh, the Dane Gross show. Hey, thanks for having me uh, on. You know, I called you about, had to be four or six days ago. Okay. And I said, I got a whiff that the Knicks are going to move Obi. Uh-huh. And here's my thoughts on that, and I'd like to know what you think. And let me let me just say this, and then I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that in a okay. second. If you watch the last 10 to 15 possessions of the Knicks versus the Miami Heat in that game where they lost and they were eliminated from the playoffs, go back and watch those last 10 to 15 possessions. And what's going to jump out at you is outside of the point guard, no one was rotating, moving, cutting for whatever reason. They're tired. They're too old. They're hurting. There was no energy on the floor. They needed Obi out there. They needed someone with some type of movement. No one did anything, and they lost that game. And if I'm Obi, he's upset because he's looking at the situation saying, you didn't even give me a shot to go in there. You didn't even give me a chance to actually show something. And as for Thibodeau and all these people sticking up for the Thibodeau system, he's been a failure in many systems. Outside of coaching the defense in Boston, when Boston won, where he had elite talent, okay, and when he had elite talent when he was in Chicago, let's really take a look at Thibodeau's resume. Well, the only place he's not been successful as a head coach is is Minnesota, and that's when he was also – I think he was also the president or the GM or something like that. But as a coach – He's wearing out his welcome here. Well, you might say that, but they've been to the playoffs two of the last – two of the three years he's been here, they've been to the playoffs. They won a playoff round for the first time in forever. Um, I'll give him that. The the idea that that he wears out his welcome, I know that that's on his – he won 50 games in the final season that he was coaching in Chicago. Okay, let me. So I don't know that that's. that's I, I'll say that I'll give you a second here, Dave, to make your other point. But if he goes and does what he did this year, if the Knicks go and do what they did this year, he's going to be back for another. He's going to get a contract extension. If they win forty-seven I games, and they get to the second round. He's going to be here for a long time. I understand that. So I'm going to say one more thing, and this is what really I don't like. I should have just stated it initially. We're not. We come down on the players. 
How come no one's coming down on the coaches? There's a lot of coaches doing what Thibodeau just did in the Knicks organization. When someone puts talent in front of you, you're supposed to coach that talent. Absolutely. You're supposed to find a way to mesh that talent into your system. But they go, oh, he doesn't fit within our scheme and our plan. So you take a high number one draft pick and say he's got to be moved? He's one of the best athletes on your team. You just lost a great deal of athleticism and height and youth and character. Obi Toppin was character that you lost with the Knicks. I'll leave it at that. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Dave, you're absolutely right, and maybe you weren't listening to the show earlier on. I said the, the, fact, the, the move that they made and the fact that Tibbs could not figure out a way to get more production out of a player that clearly had uh, defined strengths, even despite his weaknesses, that is on coaching. And to me, that is a sign that Tibbs is not a great coach. I think he's a good coach, and I think you know what you're getting with him. He will take you to a certain level, and you'll be good. And the Knicks haven't been good in forever. So they'll live with good for right now. And they will wait until there's the move to make that makes them great, and then maybe Tibbs might be out the door. But you're absolutely right. A great coach is able to take whatever talent he has, whatever pieces he has, and maximize the value of those pieces. Tibbs does not do that. Tibbs does things one way. Tibbs is like, Tibbs, I said this on Saturday, Tibbs is like me uh, cooking food. I got like seven or eight things that I can make. You want a pancake? I'll make you a fantastic pancake. You want a mac and cheese? I can make mac and cheese. Now, if you want a full course meal, I can't do that. There's certain things I can't do. I'm not a chef. Uh, and that's Tibbs. He can do his seven or eight things that will be good to get you at a certain level or whatnot, but that's as far as it's going to go. And he's only got one way of doing it. He's not going to do it more than one way. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, more your phone calls. We'll get into some baseball with the Yankees. A very, very puzzling lineup decisions. One which was brought up on the K Show today. I got one that's even more puzzling than that. We'll get to that next. The Gordon Damer Show. It's not the Gordon Damer. It's the Dan Grossa Show. But Gordon Damer's it. Who knows what this show is? But it's right here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is the Dan Grossa Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. N. A couple of Yankee things. We'll continue on with the next calls in a second here. I wish I knew how to do research properly and be able to pull up stats quickly. I see people 
be able to do it in the moment. I, what, what, they have supercomputers? Is it the chat GPT? Is that what people are doing? I don't know how they do it so fast. I wish I was able to because this might be overboard. But the Yankees tonight are playing the Orioles. And the Yankee DH tonight, the designated hitter, only hits, only responsible for hitting, is Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson came into the night with an OPS plus of 70. OPS plus is is based on a range. 100 is league average. So by being at an OPS plus of 70, you're saying you're 30% worse than league average. He came into the night with a 136 batting average. He's hitting 136. He has an on base of 191. And a slugging, he's hit some home runs, so his slugging is 440. But again, overall, he's been dreadful offensively. But you got to keep that bat in the lineup? Very odd. Very, very odd. And I, I was wondering, and this, I was able to find out those numbers, has there ever been, at this point of the season, not a makeup game, not the second game of a double, a regularly scheduled game, where a team, a decent team, a playoff kind of team, had a designated hitter, just simply a hitter, who was hitting 136 with a 191 on base and a 440, an OPS plus of 70 or lower at this point of the season. Got to keep that bat in the lineup. Don't want to lose that bat. Then I thought that that was the strangest thing when I heard that on the K show today. So I went and I took a look at the lineup. And I realized that for years we've heard the Yankees don't believe in, in the lineup construction that we all kind of grew up with, right? Best hitter hits third. Your cleanup hitter hits fourth. All, the Yankees like their best hitters hitting second. They want to get them extra at bats, more at bats for the best hitter. I get it. In what world would the Yankees put DJ LeMayhew as the leadoff hitter? Have, have they watched DJ LeMahieu at all this season? What analytics? Show me the numbers that say that DJ LeMahieu is the guy in the Yankee order. Granted, it's a horrendously bad order. But where are the numbers that back up having DJ LeMahieu on July 3rd hitting leadoff in a game against the Orioles? Please show me those, all of his numbers are trending downward. In the last month, he's hitting 174. Of course, batting average doesn't tell you the whole story. All the other numbers are horrendous too. He's got an on base of 237. In the last month, he's walked six times in like 30 games. And this is the guy? We got to get the most... Who do we got to get the most? Let's get this guy the most at bats. He's, he's, if he's not hurt, then that's a really bad sign. Because you take a look at his numbers. His numbers started out okay this year. And then the further the season has gone along, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. So if that dude is not hurt, this is not just a slump. This is the season. He's been bad for the season. And I love DJ LeMahieu. He got here. He was fantastic. Those first two years, he was sensational. He was the patron saint of base hits. But since then, and it's been partly injury. 
he's not been able to stay healthy. So you understand that. But if he's healthy, and I'm assuming by the fact he's playing regularly, he's healthy. I mean, maybe he's battling something here or there, but he's good enough to be out there. If he is healthy, holy moly, this is bad. Because he has been atrocious and getting worse. Like, it's not like, oh, well, it's, it's sometimes up, sometimes. He had his hot streaks and his cold streaks. No, it's, it's been like a downward, what was that, that game stop? Game stock stop? That, that, that stock thing? Yeah, it was, it's like a steady line straight down. Whew. If that's your portfolio, you're panicking right now. Let me just say that. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to uh, Chris is in Rockland. Chris, next up on the Dan Grossa Show. Do we have Chris? Let's try Chris one more time. Chris in Rockland. We'll fix this on the podcast. It'll sound fantastic. Chris in Rockland, Go. All right, we don't have Chris. Do we want to try putting Chris on hold and we'll try somebody else? Or is it an issue with the phones that we're having? It might just be Chris. It might be a Chris problem. I see. All right, let's try, uh, let's see here. Bobby is in Connecticut. Want to try Bobby? Hello. Bobby is in Connecticut. There he is. I know that voice. Yeah. Anyway. I just hey, want to. <laughs> hey, um, first time caller. Um <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear you. I want to make a couple of comments about uh, the New York New York Knicks. Um, first comment is, you know, I hear a lot about their draft picks and things of that nature. The Knicks have done their organization as a whole, from the top to the bottom, coaches have done a poor job developing their draft picks. I think it's a detriment to a lot of players in the NBA to be drafted by the New York Knicks. And I've been watching the Knicks since 1969. But this new era of Knicks, um, you know, your draft picks, they don't develop them, number one. And so, and then the media also, you know, and the narrative is, you know, uh, they're bust, they're bust, they're bust. Well, you can't really um, show what you have if the coach don't believe in you and give you a shot. That's number one. Number two, um, no superstars coming to New York to play with the Knicks as long as Tom Thibodeau is the coach. Tom, I, I Tom mean, Thibodeau they got Jalen Brunson a, to come here, and now I know there was a connection yeah, there. They paid a, him a boatload not, of money, he's but a, he's not a he's not a superstar. I'm not talking about he's a okay. He's a so really what, what's player, a superstar? The top not, five, six players in the league? Well, how many got? Yeah, how many superstars the, would you say are in the NBA right now? How many superstars? Yeah, how many would you say are right now? Seven? Ten? Yeah, about that. About that. About ten. A ten. But but what I'm saying is the Knicks, we've been hearing this forever. You know, wait till uh, 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 somebody is available. We're going to go out and get them. We brought in uh, World Wide West and all. Nobody's coming to the Knicks um, as long as Tom Thibodeau is the coach. Number one, he's a player killer. And you brought up Jimmy um, Jimmy Buckets when he was in um, Chicago. Yep. Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau did not play that gentleman when he was in Chicago. It wasn't he was, until he was, he was part of that. Yes, he, he did. He was. He yeah. he had he averaged no, no. twenty points a game with Tom Thibodeau. Listen, listen. Yeah, but his first couple of years, well, Tom I mean, did not maybe play he him. needed. Maybe he that was development. Apparently. 
Yeah, maybe that was the development. Maybe he, maybe he didn't come into the NBA as a finished product. All I know is when Tom Thibodeau got to Minnesota, the first thing he did was trade for Jimmy Butler. Of course, because Jimmy was proven by then. <laughs> no, he left Chicago, and then he got he went to Minnesota. Listen, he got him when he was in Minnesota. Minnesota. Well, look, the, you, you can um, look. I understand Tibbs has his flaws, and and Bobby, thanks for the phone call. Um, and developing talent and, and players is one thing. Jimmy Butler was a, a product of Tom Thibodeau. Like he he came up under Tom Thibodeau in Chicago. He traded for for Jimmy Butler when he got to Minnesota. I'm not saying that the Knicks have a great track record of developing players, but you'd have to say Emmanuel quickly is somebody who has developed under Tom Thibodeau. Quentin Grimes isn't quite their uh, finished product as of yet, but they are developing him uh, here now. It's not a great track record. I will grant you that. But I don't think that uh, he had any problems with uh, having Derrick Rose develop. Did he? I don't know. Derrick Rose got hurt. Is that Tom Thibodeau's fault? Uh, I don't think so. It's like everything that's wrong with the Knicks, is it's all on Tibbs. And, I, and I'm the first one to admit that he's got his flaws. He's not a great head coach. But I don't look at the Knicks' issues of the last, say, 20 years of the necessarily the, develop, the development of the players. I think they picked the wrong players. I think they picked the wrong guys. And, and the way you know that is those guys didn't go anywhere else and become all of a sudden superstars either. Go out to Jose in Brooklyn. Jose, what's going on, my friend? Good evening, Gordon, and it is the evening. Uh, shout out to the company. How are you doing today, G? I'm good, Jose. What's going on, pal? I'm doing good, and I just wanted to, you know, offer up another name. You remember the name Tony Douglas, former point Tony guard? Tony Douglas, <laughs> sure. Nick, there were some Nick fans that thought Tony Douglas was going to be a thing. Yeah, and I, and I got a chuckle when you mentioned Milikita because I do have a friend. That just <laughs> Everybody's got that one, right? Defense. Look at his <laughs> arms. He's gonna. He's such a defensive presence. He's gonna. Yeah. yeah all right. So, yeah, I, I saw him. Yeah. I saw it. No, no, yeah. So that, that that it always makes me chuckle. But then sometimes where I do feel like um, sports talk and you know the media is a little unfair. They do kind of forget, you know, guys like you know where we did have Trevor Ariza. We were the team that drafted him. That's true. We yeah. were the you know we were the team that drafted Danilo Gallinari and David Lee and all these guys weren't great superstars, but they turned out to be solid NBA players. Even Wilson Chandler, I could throw in there as well. They turned out to be solid NBA players where. You know, they could they, they, they could have been building blocks, and that's kind of where the Knicks fans kind of get frustrated, where, where, where it could have been a building block. And what I'm hearing now, the clock has definitely turned on, tur- 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 turned, uh, turned on, on Thibodeau. And it, it's going to be interesting to see, because I brought up this point with Alan Hahn, the last thing I want to see is the Villanova team be the starting lineup where it hinders R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes because then we do have to say that he can't really develop young play, young players, young players because that because the inconsistency of trying to fight or create or lack of creativity of trying to get Grimes involved and the inconsistency of how R.J. Barrett has kind of been you know lackluster on the defensive end we have to sometimes we have to look at the coaching and see what what's being done there and i want to know who is the offensive mind that's going to be the guy that's going to get them out of this iso ball because if it still continues with the same 
Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle do the iso ball and RJ has to look for his shot, this is not going to be a recipe for for success, even with Josh Hart and DiVincenzo as, as the additions. So I just wanted to state that out there. It was great um, speaking with you again. And if I didn't say it again, shout out to the company again. Have a great Oh, don't worry. Time. You got the company in there, Jose. Don't worry. You got them in. They're in there. They're in there. Um, well, well, look, I, I understand. Tibbs is – he's never going to be the, the guy that loves rookies because he's about instant results. He's about win right now. He's not about long-term thinking. But I will just say this. For all the criticism that Nick fans seem to have about his time in Chicago and he didn't develop, develop talent, if he does in Chicago – or let me say, if he does with the Knicks what he did in Chicago, he will be here – for at least, I think he was in Chicago five years. He will be here for at least five years. They have they brought Tibbs in here to develop and 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 form some level of respectability, which he has done. Now, year two, that was a step back. If year four looks like year two, you will have your point, and you might very well have a new head coach. But two out of the three years, the Knicks absolutely would have signed up for the results that they got. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. More of your Nick calls coming up next on the Dan Grasso Show. Gordon Damer in here on 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. The idea that the Tibbs, I know that this is the narrative, that Tibbs runs guys into the ground. Derek Rose blew out his knee. I don't know that that's on Tibbs. And there's this idea, well, he ran Jimmy Butler into the ground. Jimmy Butler's still playing now. He's 33. He's still, he's still at the top of his game. I don't know. He seems like he's doing okay. He couldn't have ran him into the ground a decade ago if he's still in the league now. Let's go back to the phone. Now, earlier we tried to go to Chris and Rockland. He was not, he was not there. So we put him back on hold. It turns out Chris's wife was calling him at the same time that I was calling him, and he had a decision to make, and he, he went with his wife, which I can tell you is the right call. Chris is in Rockland. Chris, go, my man. Hey, what's up? But, yeah, if I didn't answer that phone, I don't know if I'd be getting married next That's month, all right. So. That's okay. I understand. Uh, I've been there. On. Don't ever let it happen so again, I Chris. I got you. So, I want, <laughs> so, real quick, I know you're talking about Tibbs. I mean, I know he runs the guys into the ground, but the players, it's their decision. If they don't want to play 40 minutes, that's up to them. Jalen Brunson, that guy had a bad ankle. I mean, you know, he, he wanted to play. So let those guys play. Jimmy Butler, he was playing 40 minutes in the playoffs also. So to go with that, don't blame Tibbs for, you know, the guys for the minutes. They, if they don't want to play, they'll let them know they don't want to play. So as far as that, Tibbs has gotten these guys, except for the year last year, he's progressed every year. So that's that. As far as the – Target we should be looking for, I think we're looking in the wrong direction. We have our guard set. You've got Jalen Brunson. He's your point guard. I haven't had a point guard in a long time. we got a point guard. R.J. Barrett, 23 years old, progressing every year. You give him two years at 25, I mean, maybe he's the 20-point, 3-and-D wing we need. I think the position we need to look for is the center position. Mitchell Robinson, you know, the, the, the stats aren't there. Scoring five, six, seven points a game. I mean, I don't think that's going to work. If you're going to make a trade, look for Miles Turner, a center that can stretch the floor, shoot the three. I mean, I would love to get Cat, but I think as far as the guard position, I mean, you're talking about 
you know, Jalen Brunson, who you just got, trading him for Dame. I would love Damian Lillard, but to give up what we have, just get a good center that can stretch the floor and shoot three and give you and give you those points a game. You know, go for a scoring center. Look at Bam Abadayu. This is one of the major reasons the Heat got to the finals. I mean, let's get a center that could – I love Mitchell Robinson, but you need a scoring center in this league. And uh, I think we're looking in the wrong spot. Let the guards – I think our guards and our forwards are good. I think we need a scoring center that can stretch the floor and open up the, you know, and open up the lane for the scoring guys. And uh, that's about it. I just want to know what you think about that. Well, Chris, and thanks for the phone call. Um, I would not get your hopes up for 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 Miles Turner or Cat or any. This is the next team. This this is their plan. This is the plan that they're going forward with. So if you're not a fan of Tibbs, that's good for you, because what they're saying they're putting the pressure on themselves that this is going to be good enough to at the very least get back to the same level. that they, Now, that maybe they think that they're going to get better than that. I don't know that the talent has been upgraded that significantly to think now that you're going to be able to move beyond a second-round playoff series, but they want, they're balancing the now and the future. The focus is always going to be on the future. Until they land a superstar, the focus for Nick fans is always going to be what superstar? When is he getting here? What superstar is it going to be? How much further are we going to get? Are we going to win a title? But they're also balancing the now. They want to be a functional NBA product. They want to have some level of stability and success on the court. They don't want to be bad. They don't want to tear it down. They don't want to tank. They don't want to be a, a laughing stock. So they're balancing those two things. And they think right now this is a good core that allows them to keep their flexibility so that when a superstar does become available, they will be able to strike. But they are not, they're not looking to... They're not going to make a big move for only uh, a slight amount of improvement. Now, Mitchell Robinson, I hear what you're saying. He's hurt a lot. He doesn't really have much of an offensive game, but they look at him simply as, as, as someone who is a defensive player pretty much, and they, don't, they like what they're get, the production that they're getting out of their centers between him and Hartenstein. So we, we played the cut from Alan Hahn earlier. He was on the K-Show. Michael said specifically, what's the next move? And Allen said, this is it. There is no next move. This is the team. This is the team. Now, if a superstar becomes available somehow and shakes loose, all of a sudden somebody's ticked off with their team, maybe they'll go down that road. But of all the names that you have heard mentioned so far, the Knicks are not interested. So Carl Anthony Towns is not coming here. Miles Turner's not coming here. Zion, if he became available, he's not coming here. They're not going down the, the, all the same. And I do want to say, this is completely aside, I think that we could set a record tonight for the amount of mispronounced names in the NBA. Uh, and and I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers. Trust me, I, I get them wrong. OG Obanobo. I'm as bad as anybody. But I think we might set a record for one individual show mispronounced. All we need is a couple of Obi Topins, and we'll be set. I'm telling you right now, we have had more mispronounced names here. Bam out of booyah. We just need a few more, and I think we're... I don't know what the record is. I got to do some research. Unfortunately, I'm not good at research. Buddha is in the Bronx. Buddha, what's going on, my friend? Gordon, what's going on, bro? Always a good conversation with these Knicks, huh? Always, always. <laughs> You know, you were talking about disappointing Knicks draft picks. I mean, and I, and most of the people I know thought this guy was going to be something special. Remember Kenny Skywalker?
Walker. Oh, that's that's a that's a that's a ways back now, but yeah, absolutely. He looked like Dominique Wilkins when he was in Kentucky. Yeah. He got yeah. here. He looked like he looked like a pimp from uh, 42nd Street with all the little chains on. <laughs> he couldn't dribble. He couldn't do anything. Oh my God! What a disaster he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we spoke about Tim Saturday. I, I'm not gonna belabor that point. You hear the fans. You hear the frustration in their voices. You know. I just want to look at all, uh, the Julius Randle of it all. And um, in this town, it's very difficult. Once the fans have kind of got that feeling about you to turn it around. And if Julius Randle will want to ask somebody about what's that like here, just speak to Mr. May, Dave Winfield. I mean, listen, nobody cares about you going for some batting titles and all that when the team is losing 90-something games. You know what I'm Like, it's not a good situation. I mean, it went downhill progressively for Dave Winfield. I mean, it got to the point where Robin Givens was talking about – Robin Givens' moms was talking about he gave, he gave her the clap. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, There were some interesting it's, times there during it, the Georgia It just snowballed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it snowballs on you. And, you see, the thing that, that frustrates people about Julius Randle is, you know, there's a way that he would be able to not only change the way the fans feel about him, but also change his value. And Julius Randle is not a stupid guy. Julius Randle knows that if he goes to any other team, he's not going to get the leeway he gets here. He's not going to be able to play the style of basketball that he gets here. But what he could do, which he's very stubborn and doesn't want to do, is change his game to being more of a four. He wants to be a stretch four. He's an inconsistent shooter. He's a dribbling machine. And be honest with you, his basketball IQ in terms of passing, not dribbling into double teams, keeping your head up while you're dribbling, is not good. What he should do and what would be better for him, better for the team, and better for the organization as a whole. Like I said, God's not stupid. He knows if he switches his game, he will become more marketable. He needs to crash the boards more. He needs to cut. He needs to move without the basketball. And what he also needs to do is, I would say, shave off maybe about five or six pounds because he's not light on his feet. You understand what I'm saying? He's a good rebounder, but he's not explosive. He's not an explosive rebounder, and he's not an explosive scorer. So if he made a few little um, you know, tweaks to his game, it would do a lot for him. And it would be actually what the Knicks need him to do, too. It might even um, prolong his future hit. The, the, the problem with him is what happened was is the Knicks were thirsty. The same way you're talking about with Tibbs, like they haven't been relevant in a while. So Tibbs is going to get this leeway to not play. I'm not saying Fournier is a good player or was good for the Knicks, but you needed to play everybody at a certain point. You, you, you talk, top in, it is what it is. But if he wanted to do what was really the best for the team, he would change his style. It would make everybody else better, and it would be more conducive to winning and playing better in the fourth quarter, which is his impediment. Yeah, well, look, Boo, that's a great point. Um, thanks for the phone call. Uh, I, I, I don't see that happening. I, you know, like that, remember that scene when uh, Quickly was trying to get him to avoid getting the tech, and he just w- and he got ended up getting ticked off at, at Quickly? Randall has a he's almost like a perfect guy for Tibbs. Uh they're very they're very stubborn. They they have one way and that's the only way they're going about it. Uh and unfortunately 
maybe not unfortunately, they have been successful to a certain point. To me, the problem with that the Randall will never be able to get over is that he is just a complete no-show in these playoffs. Uh, there's no way to overcome that. You could be all-world in the regular season, but when you flip to the postseason and you become the type of player where Randall is an NBA all-star level player in the regular season and then becomes one of the most inefficient players come playoff time, there's no way for you to overcome that. So I don't know what the what the impediment is there, if it's dealing with the pressure, if it's – I remember the, the, the first year, a lot of point, people pointed to the fact that the fans weren't in the stands, and that's why he was able to flourish. He flourished this year during the regular season. Maybe it was the ankle injury. But that's the that that's the the rep that he's got. He's got a, he's a regular season player, and then when you get to the playoffs, you cannot count on him. To me, that's the biggest thing that Nick fans can't get over, and and rightfully so. When you're a franchise that hasn't had playoff success, and your best player, the guy you're counting on, pulls no shows like he does, it's going to be very tough to overcome. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, more of your phone calls. One more hour to go as Gordon Damer in for Dan Grassa, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. 